As part of its media campaigns advocating for its causes, PETA, or the People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, have been parodying video games for over 20 years. They've tackled games such as Frogger, Super Mario Brothers, Pokemon, Cooking Mama, and more. Today, we're going to take a look at a quick history of PETA and take a look at all the video games they've created since 2001. So stick around and join us as we fight against animal cruelty on yet another trip down memory card lane. Good afternoon and good evening. I hope these words find you well. Hello and welcome to the 136th episode of our video game history podcast, A Trip Down Memory Card Lane. Each week we're going to tell you the story about one topic relevant to the current week in gaming history. It can be about a game, a console, a person, a technology. It just has to be a topic and it has to be relevant to this week. While doing so, we hope to teach you something new about the topic, what it took from the world as its inspiration, or what it gave back to the world in its legacy. Today, we're all going to learn about all of the games that PETA, as in the People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, have made throughout their history as part of their marketing campaigns. I'm David Casson, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, who is always advocating for animals. He's my brother, Rob Casson. Rob... When's the last time you broke into like an animal testing lab or some crazy crap like that? Well, I can't really discuss those. There's ongoing litigation, so <laughs> it's it's, it's uh, maybe after the the litigation is is uh, finalized, we'll we'll be able to talk about that one. So so you got caught. You know, it's, we're it's not just, all we're not all super spies. Tisk. Everyone makes some some of us just make mistakes, no matter how damn good we believe we are. Tisk tisk. You got. You can't be sloppy like that. Well, hey, now I know for next time. But do you? Did you learn your lesson? My my lawyers advised me to 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 say that that was intended to be a joke. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, all right, I'll take it. Oh man, do you know anything about PETA? Uh, I thought that it stood for people eating tasty animals. So uh. No, and that is a joke. Again, um, I know obviously that they're an animal rights activist group. Um, they're against people eating any kind of animals. They sometimes use some pretty aggressive tactics. I know that they've been known to throw. I don't know that it's. I'm pretty sure that it's just red paint over people who are wearing um, animal skin clothing, like jackets and scarves and things of that nature. Um, that, like you mentioned, breaking into testing labs. Um, I'm sure that there are non-extremists in the group, but honestly, most of what I know is the extremism. Extremists, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. That's a that's a good basis. We'll we'll expand upon that. But first, what are you playing? Well, Dave, this week has seen some RuneScape, some Ark, some more Dragon Ball Xenoverse. And some Melvor. I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that sounds about right. How about yourself? Ark. Melvor. I don't even think I played Rocket League. I played a little bit of Resident Evil Village. Ooh, nice. Mm, I think that's about it. 
I think, yeah, I, I think that's about it. Nothing fun. Nothing fun. What are you talking about? <laughs> Those are all great games. We've Especially been a, Village. Yeah, we've been, you you like, yeah, Village is pretty cool so far. I actually just got to the castle, so I'm still in the first part of it, so. But yes, um, also Ark, obviously. That's yeah, we've been you know, our current Ark. addiction. I well, see. although you you <laughs> you're less of an addiction more than a uh, a need to complete the game, because uh, quite honestly, you're you're feeling the arc. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the grind is getting to me. That's okay. We 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 we're figuring it out. So yes, you are, Dave. I learned because I like to build things. We both know I like to build things, and I like to build things that are that are, that work and look good but they're not always practical. Like, let's be honest, in most games like that, in particular what we're talking about, is having to build defenses against dinosaurs and enemies. What's practical and looks good isn't effective as effective. Like, what's effective is big, hawking, and ugly, but it works, you know? I mean, what so. also is effective is not picking such a dangerous place to build your base, but how I, I digress, you know? Yeah. Sometimes you pick the right spot, sometimes you just don't know enough about the game to understand that a place with a bunch of steaming red dinos is bad. Yep, for sure. So PETA, well, Dave. So I'm PETA. guessing we're going to learn a little bit about them. We're going to learn a little bit about PETA, and it starts out with its co-founder, Ingrid Newkirk. Ingrid, Ingrid Newkirk was born in England. She was raised in India. And then moved to the U.S. as a teenager. She studied to be a stockbroker. And then one day in 1969, she took some abandoned kittens to an animal shelter. And she was just completely and utterly horrified by the conditions she found there. So she shifted and she chose a career in animal protection. She first started as an animal protection officer for Montgomery County, Maryland, and then she became the DC's first woman poundmaster. I love that phrase. I've earned that title in my life, too. I was um, just going to say that is uh, quite the <laughs> job title. Not what you would expect for someone who actually manages a pound. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's how I got that that title. I absolutely managed, managed i mean let's be honest dave looking around your house you may as well be yeah very well that that's a valid point by 1976 ingrid was the head of the animal disease control division of the district of columbia's commission on public health and in 1980 she was among those named as washingtonians of the year i didn't know that was a thing me either but now you do in 1980, she got divorced. Don't know much about her first husband. And she met Alex Pacheco. He's a political science major at George Washington University. He had volunteered at the shelter where she worked. They fell in love and then they started living together. Uh, somewhere about this time, Ingrid read Animal Liberation. It was an influential book by Peter Singer about, you know, animal and animal rights and stuff like that. And so in March of 1980, she persuaded Pacheco to join her in forming what became the People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, which at that point, as they describe it, was really just five people in a basement. 
Not much to it. Now, the group kind of sprang into the public view in 1981 during something called the Silver Springs Incident, or also known as the Silver Springs Monkeys case. Uh, The Silver Springs case was a dispute about experiments that were conducted by by a researcher named Edward Taub on about 17 different macaque monkeys inside the Institute of Behavioral Research in Silver Spring, Maryland. Now, Alex Pachenko had taken a job in May of 1981 inside the primate. It was a primate research lab um, at the Institute, um, intending to gain firsthand experience of what it was like working inside an animal laboratory. Now, in this experiment, and just a brief trigger warning, if you're not into gruesome stuff, you may want to just kind of mute this for the next, I don't know, five minutes, maybe not even go with two. In the experiment, Taub was actually cutting, they're called ganglia, sensory sensory ganglia. They're basically what supplies nerves to the fingers, hands, arms, and legs. Uh, It's a process called deafferentation, and it's designed so the monkeys couldn't feel their limbs. In some cases, they, they basically cut the nerves to their entire spinal column. Then, they used restraints, electric shock, Uh, and sometimes starvation to force the monkeys to use these parts of their body that they had no feeling on. So it wasn't the most pleasant um, animal testing in the world. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's pretty hard to hear about. Pachenko went to lab at night. He took photographs that showed the monkeys living in what the Institute called the... um, Basically, in their lab, um, they were filthy conditions, and um, he passed said photographs onto the police, who then raided the lab and arrested Edward Taub. Taub was convicted of six counts of cruelty to animals, which was the first such conviction in the United States of an animal researcher. Um, that conviction, though, was later overturned through appeal, and... Basically, it set off a custody battle for what at that time were 10 monkeys that were still living between PETA and the lab and so on and so forth. It was a pretty long and drawn out battle. It had celebrities and politicians campaigning for the monkeys release. In 1985, they passed an amendment to the Animal Welfare Act in reaction to this. And basically... The Silver Springs incident is what turned PETA into just five people in a basement into a national movement. Also, the other well-known animal group, the North American Animal Liberation Front, uh, which are like cells. I want to say domestic terrorist cells, but that's kind of what they are. That formed from the Silver Springs incident. And also, this monkey custody battle was the first animal research case to reach the United States Supreme Court. So... There were a lot of things that came from the Silver Springs incident. Now, Rob. Yeah, Dave. I want to talk about that because I agree with you. I, you know, I, I, you know, when I'm not podcasting or working, I also help run an animal rescue. And so, you know, I'm an animal advocate. But I want to talk to you for a moment about what came out of this animal testing. So during the subsequent dissection of all the monkeys it had discovered they discovered that basically the brain 
had been remapping itself, suggesting that being forced to use limbs that had no sensory input had triggered changes in the brain's organization. Right? Right. And so this evidence, this this was evidence that the brain's plasticity, its ability to like rebounce, you know, ba- re- bounce back and, and change itself, it basically overturned a widely held long-term view that adult brains can't reorganize themselves in response to their environment. Um, after about five years of receiving death threats and being able to find a research position after all of this, Taub was finally offered a grant by the University of Alabama. And based on the Silver Springs research and what he continued to learn there, he actually developed a new form of, ther- of therapy, which was based on this concept of neuroplasticity uh, that was designed for people that were d- uh, disabled as a result of brain damage. Now, this is now known as constraint-induced movement therapy, and it is has been determined to be absolutely revolutionary to help stroke survivors regain the use of limbs that were basically paralyzed for years before this therapy came about. So that's always the point, right? Like, when we have found that out, is there a way to have found that out without the cruelty? You get what I'm saying? No, I mean, I, I can definitely understand how, although I don't want to call it necessary, how important the research that he did was. But again, how there was there a way to have done it with less cruelty than maiming these these animals? Maybe not. Who knows? We'll never know because it's done. But, I mean, you just... You never know. True enough. Very true. You do never know. But I don't I don't know. I don't have a good answer. But it, it's something that like it's something that I thought about while I was researching this, right? Like what what would would it be? Like could we have found it any other way? And is it worth the sacrifice? I don't I don't know. I don't have a good answer for you. So I don't advocate for testing in animals in general, but I don't like, I think about things like this and I'm, I don't know. On the other hand, technology's come a long way and there are probably different ways like MRI scans and stuff to get the same information nowadays or cat scans or whatever. <laughs> cat, we're talking about PETA. So anyway, PETA, PETA came to the forefront as a, as a, um, as a result of the Silver Springs incident. And they are, for those of you that don't know, they're an animal rights organization that opposes speciesism, meaning they don't, they advocate for animals, but they aren't like animals are animals. There is no dog or cat or cow or anything like that to them. They are against the abuse of animals in any way, such as food for food, clothing, entertainment, or research. I will tell you, though, Rob, I found out through research that despite this, they have a really weird stance on euthanasia. For people or animals? For animals. Now, since we're, you know, we just talked about it. So I, I sit on the board for a no-kill animal rescue. And so, like, that's in a no-kill animal rescue. That doesn't mean that you never you know conduct euthanasia but it only is used in like absolutely last case and we're not talking like not behavior not you know like 
Um, I'm just sick. Like, if there's any chance whatsoever as, you know, for any quality of life for an amount of time, you, you work through that. You know, my organization and a lot of local ones, we all have about a 97% success rate, rate, which means of all the animals that come in through the shelter, we only end up having to either only 3% either unfortunately have to be euthanized or die in our care. So it's it's not a big number, you know, um, and 97% is a good rate. That's a lot of us shoot for, you know, 95 or higher. Um, but PETA is a very strong proponent of euthanasia. They actually oppose the no-kill movement, and rather than adoption programs, because they don't believe in the concept of a pet, a pet is derogatory to them, They their way of going about this is they believe in reducing like zero births through spaying and neutering. So they're for spaying and neutering, um, but they don't have a solution on the end. Um, some other things, they also recommend not breeding pit bulls, um, and they support euthanasia for animals in shelters. Um, for things as silly as being housed for long periods in cramped cages. In fact, in a 2011 interview, they acknowledged that at one of their shelters, they euthanized 95, 95% of the animals that were turned into it. Jesus. Yeah. You think for for an organization that was like, oh, we're, we we oppose abuse to animals. But the way they see it is it's a, like, it, it, you're being, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Generous, kind? Yeah, like, um, like, you're, like you're being kind to them because you're putting them out like you're 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 putting them out of their suffering or or whatever. I mean that's always the case for euthanasia, but that's I what mean, they firmly if believe. You're going to be putting them under anyway. I mean, why not allow people to use what they can from them if they're not if they're going to just put them down anyway. Like if it's about saving the animals from the cruelty, I get that, but if you're just going to kill them like a slaughterhouse, they're not I guess I don't know enough about slaughterhouses to say they're not not cruel, but right, right, yeah. I don't know. It, I just I it was really a way giving them any quality of life by just killing them. So yeah. what's what's the benefit to the animal? There isn't any. You're just doing it because it makes you feel better. I I don't know. It was just a weird thing to find. It was a weird thing to find against everything else, you know, because they do. So, they I mean, Peter's pretty well known. They're known for aggressive media stunts. Uh, they're known for having the support of celebrities, you know, like some celebrities that have done things with them, like Paul McCartney, Alicia Silverstone, Eva Mendez, Charlize Theron, uh, Ellen DeGeneres, Pam Anderson. There's just a bunch of celebrities that have appeared in PETA ads. And they do uh, agree, a really aggressive media, you know, get the word out there. Every week, they hold what's called a war council, uh, a, a couple dozen strategists get together at a square table at the PETA conference room and they throw out anything to try to get to people, you know, and many of the campaigns have focused on large corporations. So at one point in their history, PETA decided that they would start an in-house team that would create video games to further these causes. And that started about as early as 2001 with a game called Make Fred Spew. Now, you could find this on their website, which was called milksucks.com. <laughs> All right. 
and literally it's just some some like guy it's so these are all flash games i mean you and i we've kind of talked about that before flash games were the thing on the internet for a long time you know and it was just a flash game fred is just some kind of like redneck guy and a wife beater in front of a trailer and he's got a bunch of different milk cartons in front of him and you just make him drink the milk cartons until he throws up and the campaign itself like it was it was a play on the got milk campaign and so basically the campaign the campaign itself was declared that if you knew how dairy cows suffered you spew too have you ever played any of the the these ones uh just reading through all of the names here i i genuinely can't tell you that i have none of them sound what's so familiar to me at all Hmm. i mean i've heard of a couple of them but i never actually played them myself like obviously i've heard of the mario kills tanuki and pokemon black and blue but yeah i have not played a single one of these let's hear about them dave well the next one was about 2003 it was when the company decided that it was going to throw its weight against kfc kentucky fried chicken and the campaign for that was called the Kentucky Fried Cruelty Campaign. It's actually still a website. To this day, you can go to KentuckyFriedCruelty.com and learn all about their Kentucky Fried Cruelty Campaign. As part of the campaign, they created a parody called Save the Chicks. Originally, basically, it's got you like in a basket or a boat on the on the bottom of the screen. There's a bunch of hens hanging from rafters as they do in cruel animal places and they drop eggs and you have to catch them as they fall so you're saving their chicks that's save the chicks um in 2004 they made a game called lobster liberation it was a frogger clone you basically had to get well basically your lobster and you had to get the lobster from land, which I assume coming from a restaurant or something, across a bunch of roads to be able to slide back into the ocean. Frogger. You can you can envision it in your mind. I mean, I guess it would have been too easy just to do another frog, like leaving, uh, not Japan, France. Because they eat the frog legs. Or, you know, a squid with Japan and calamari or any type of fish, really, for sushi. I mean... There's a lot of animals that could have done that one with, but weird that they chose a lobster of all of that. I don't know. I mean, lobsters are... I, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> lobsters are... I mean, that's just... You know, some people really don't... Um, Some people don't... Eat lobster? Eat lobster. Or some people don't like the concept of, of lobsters, which get boiled alive pretty much to eat in most cases. Now it's said that lobsters don't have any nerves, so they don't feel anything as they die, but not everyone believes that that kind of stuff, you know? So. I mean, yeah, none of us have ever been a lobster to know. That's that's so true. So in 2004, they also made a game called Revenge of the Pita Tomatoes. It was a game in which you could throw tomatoes at people who popped up, like like a Duck Hunt type game. It was like a parody of Duck Hunt. Little heads would pop up on the screen. You'd throw tomatoes at them. The instructions on the game, because the website is still up, say, Seeing red over the torment of animals killed for their skins? Blow off some steam and test your aim by tossing tomatoes at slow-moving doll-witted furrers. 
It's fun and easy. See? Huh? I knew the red paint on people. Well, I eventually was red paint, but here it's tomatoes. So the ad campaign for this one was throw me at a fur wearer. And basically you could order stickers that said just that. Throw me at a fur wearer. And it, you know, just as you said, from people when people were processing fur. The ad work on the campaign read tomatoes emblazoned with stickers encouraging shoppers to throw me at a fur wearer have been cropping up in produce aisles. The popular plump bread vegetable that until now has been known mainly as a harmless ingredient in spaghetti sauce is stirring up the most controversy in its history since the is it a vegetable or a fruit flap? Um. Whether you call them tomatoes or tomatoes, these veggies are seeing red over cruelty to animals. Fur wearers be warned. Vigilante vegetables are ready to paint the town red. If you still wear fur, despite the fact that animals are bludgeoned, electrocuted, poisoned, gassed, shot, and have their necks broken just so you can look old, fat, or really cheap, you'd better be prepared to meet your ma- <laughs> your maker. No, no mink stole mater. Meet your maker. Meet your mater. Meet your mater. Meet your mater. No mink stole or raccoon wrap is safe from a pulpy projectile that's gone to seed. Oh, meet your mater. Like tomato. I get it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh. oh, man. I get it now. That's funny. <laughs> I thought you were just making a joke, Dave. I didn't realize you really didn't get it. Yeah, no, I, I didn't. I definitely didn't get it. Yeah, that's uh, that sounds like quite the game. It's interesting to say the least. No, I mean, it, it, yeah, there's a lot of things that you could say, but you're right. Interesting is definitely one of them. Um, I don't know why they chose tomatoes. Maybe just because that's what they used to throw on stages. And they're red. Well, and, and they're red, and yeah, gross, and make a mess, and so on and so forth. So. And why not just squirt someone with ketchup? That's a good point. I don't know. Tomatoes make a bigger. I, I don't even know. So I don't think they would. Yeah. I guess you could throw them faster. Yeah. So these are all the old uh old flash games. Not very noticed. Not they didn't get a lot of notoriety. But that changed in 2007 when PETA released a parody of New Super Mario Brothers and Super Mario Galaxy and they called it the Super Chick Sisters. You can control one of two female chicks. They were named either Nugget or Chiquette, and they their goal was to rescue vegetarian actress Pam Anderson from Colonel Sanders what? of KFC fame. Is she actually a vegetarian actress? She is actually a vegetarian actress. She's a big spokesperson for PETA. I, I honestly have not. Yeah, seen yeah I know me either. So so yeah. So <laughs> you, like you knew his big news. Shut up. I mean, I knew she was a. I knew she was a PETA person. I've seen most of the ads through the years, and I can pretend like I, 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 I don't like their brand of politics and what we do. But that you know, that's neither here nor there. Touche. Anyways, you got to rescue Pam Anderson from Colonel Sanders. That makes that's that makes sense, right? I mean, yeah. I don't know why he kidnapped her, but and why chickens are the ones going after her and not something that isn't what is cooked there. It gets better. A couple years later in 2009, they made the new Super Chick Sisters, which was obviously a sequel. And in this one, Ronald McDonald kidnaps Pam Anderson because he wants to use her as a Happy Meal ingredient. I ain't touching that one. So the Chick Sisters have to go to the rescue. I I ain't touching that one. 
There's a lot of jokes that can be made there, and I ain't, I ain't, I ain't going there. Well, I mean, that begs to differ. Are we talking like for the meat or for the plastic for the Happy Meal? So, you never um, know. Um, all I'm gonna say is that he was hungry for some Pam. <laughs> That's good. That's very, very good. Um, yeah. So, 2008, they make a game called Cooking Mama. Mama kills animals. Oh, at first I was all for it. It consisted of many games related to the preparation of animal carcasses, like cutting chicken or stuffing a turkey. Uh, throughout the game, there are facts about turkeys, that, and the game will throw vegan Thanksgiving recipes at you. After you complete all said mini games, you get through the variety of mini games. Mama actually goes vegan and hugs a live turkey in the ending, while the player prepares a tofurkey for everyone. In case you don't know, that's a tofu turkey. I thought it was a, a, a turducken. Oh, is it turducken that's tofu, turkey, and duck? Oh, wait, no, wait, that's turkey, duck, and... Never mind, I'm crazy, chicken. That's the actual one I'm thinking of. Anywho. Anywho. <laughs> Anywho. So, in the game, PETA encourages players to write to Cooking Mama developer Majesco Entertainment and ask them to create a Cooking Mama vegetarian edition. And Majesco actually responded. Uh, he, Majesco responded, stating that the Mama character, while not a vegetarian herself, supports treating animals humanely and, quote, would never put rat in her ratatouille. Nice. <laughs> wow. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. So, that was a fun thing. Never put... Just remember that. If Mama never does it, you never do it either. Never put rat in your ratatouille. I mean, hey, that's probably the uh, best advice you hear as a cook. Very true. Because, I mean, there's a Disney movie that would make you think otherwise. So, here we are. It's 2009, and PETA has gotten a lot of recognition for these games. You know, they were being covered by um, video game, you know, publications like online you know people were people were talking about it people were reviewing these actually not a ton out there but you know it was happening so people were starting to notice that PETA PETA was making games and one of the people that noticed was Edward Edmund McMillan Edmund McMillan is the creator of Super Meat Boy and what McMillan did is he made fake accounts on PETA's forums all petitioning PETA to create a parody of his game, Super Meat Boy. You ever played Super Meat Boy? Honestly, when uh, when, when you said Super Meat Boy, I, I thought of a Nickelodeon show called Mr. Meaty, which is not at all the same, so I can't say that I have. No, you've never played Super Meat Boy at all? It, no. Another huh. shocking thing. Huh. That's kind of surprising. Dave, you should not be surprised anymore. I'm actually not surprised at all. Not surprised at all. So, so yeah. So, Edmund McMillan petitions PETA to make the a parody of the game, not directly, with fake accounts. And they did. In 2010, they created a clone of the game called Super Super Tofu Boy. And in Super, so in Super Meat Boy, you're a cube of meat. It sounds gross, but it's, like, meant to signify, like, lack of confidence or having no skin or something like that. 
And in the original game, you have to rescue rescue your girlfriend, who's Bandage Girl, from I can't remember the boss. I've played it, but it's been a long time. In Tofu Boy, you have to rescue Bandage Girl from Super Meat Boy. Um, but you know, it's a platformer, plays a lot like the original game, and it very much has a pro vegetarian message, and it spits out facts throughout the game about meat consumption and the livestock industry. Um, so yeah, so Edwin McMillan got his wish. In turn, he actually added Super Tofoy Boy back to Super Meat Boy as a playable character. Wow. Uh, if I remember correctly, <laughs> this cracks me up. You have to go into like a console and type the words PETA, P-E-T-A file, P-H-I-L-E, PETA file, and it unlocks... <laughs> <laughs> it'll lock super tofu boy that's just wrong yeah i know that's <laughs> god damn it he you know there's more than one super meat boy and he's in both of them and get this this one cracked me up too so as a playable character tofu boy is very slow and he's a horrible jumper which are awful traits to have for super meat boy because it's a very tight like complicated um platformer right right so slow and horrible jump is awful however no matter how long it took you to complete a level if you finished it with tofu you always got an a plus at the level nice i think that's kind of a fun little a little uh Hey, Which you tortured call? yourself. Good job. Yeah. Here's yeah. an A plus. <laughs> well, and he actually became he became really popular because there's an achievement for getting A plus in all levels, and a lot of people couldn't do it with Meat Boy. They end up having to take the time to do it with Tofu Boy. Oh so. my god! Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so by now things were rolling. They come out of 2010 into 2011, and they are working on and put out a parody of super mario 3d land it's called mario kills tanuki it's an action game in which the player controls a skinned but living raccoon dog that chases mario in order to retrieve its fur yeah it's just a terrifying concept because <laughs> you know the tanuki suit oh yeah no i get it 100 percent. it's just can you imagine having that just it's you're looking running at you Ugh. After releasing the game, PETA released a statement that said, Tanuki may just be a, a suit in Mario games, but in real life, Tanuki are raccoon dogs who are skinned alive for their fur. The organization followed that up with a statement saying, by wearing Tanuki suits, Mario is sending the message that it's okay to wear fur. <laughs> they took on Mario in fur with his fake raccoon suit in the game. Yeah, I mean that that's a thing. Who who even said that it was a real raccoon? Who I know. That the real raccoon hat I had when I grew up was a real freaking coonskin hat? No. No, it was not. So Mario clearly is out here just wearing a regular bow hat. I know. In 2012, Rob, they took on your favorite franchise with a game called Pokémon Black and Blue. Yep, I know about that one. <laughs> it focuses on animal rights and experimentation. It has role-playing style battles, a.k.a. Pokemon battles. In it, you control a Pikachu who escapes Ash Ketchum's abusive circus. In it, 
Pikachu first fights a drink a drunk was at Charon. Is that how you say that? Uh, I mean, I I thought it was Cherub, but who yeah, brutally was... abuses his Tepig or Tepig? How do you say that Tepig. one? Tepig. So Charon must be a person. Oh yeah, you're right because that that makes more sense. Yeah, Pikachu fist fights a drunk Charon who brutally abuses his Tepid in a dog fighting esque manner, and then moves on to other trainers and characters in order to rescue their Pokemon from their ownership. Oh, Charon is actually a character from Pokemon Black and White. Gotcha. That's, yeah, I never played those. Yeah, that's one of the gym leaders. It's been a long time since I've played Black and White, actually. I completely forgot that. So that makes more sense. Oh, my goodness. They followed that up a year later in 2013 with Pokemon Red, White, and Blue. Its title suggests uh, that Nintendo's continuous releases of uh, an X and Y every year reduces human empathy for animals. It's, again, another role-playing game, a.k.a. Pokemon Battles. It stars Pikachu and Militank, who battle McDonald's characters like the Hamburglar in a crusade against the rare but ongoing practice of meat production in the Unova region instead of Kalos. Did I say that right? Yeah. Those were a lot of Pokemon words I don't know. That's a lot of them, and you're doing well. Yay! Pikachu must rescue a Jigglypuff from being treated like furniture, a Militank from the dairy industry in the slaughterhouse, and Grimace from being tortured. Is it Grimace? Yeah, the big purple guy? I don't know. Is there a Pokemon named the same thing? Uh, not that I'm aware of, but okay, I Okay, well then I assume knows? it's the big purple thing, then it's Grimace, so. At the beginning of the game, Pikachu is nearly eaten by an obese gamer, but lives. <laughs> nice. <laughs> My goodness. Oh, Pokemon Red, White, and Blue. Oh my goodness. That is fucking hilarious. Ugh. So in 2013, they followed that up with Cage Fight, Knockout Animal Abuse. It's a beat-em-up game in the style of River City Ransom. The player controls vegetarian mixed martial art fighters Jake Shields, Aaron Simpson, and Georgie Karakanyan and attacks animal testing practitioners to rescue confined animals. Before the game, there's a warning that tells you that it's illegal to punch scientists in real life. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's, that's great. Oh my god. And they've made some other scattered games in the middle there. Like, there's a whole website. I couldn't find much on Win and stuff like that, but I figured we kind of go through them. There is a Fast Food Nation game subtitled Would You Like Lies With That? It plays like Burger Time. Um, there is a game that's on their website. It's called JLo Monster and Fur. They, when you first load up the game, the first screen says Fur Bully from the Block, Flee the Fur Ho. Wow. <laughs> and I played it. It's a game where you have to rescue animals from JLo's clothing factory while she's chasing you. Nice. That's quite the uh, the story there. Not only rescue animals, but you have to educate her workers. Like you, so like, like it's a single screen, and on it you see workers and little animals, and your character has to like, like walk over them to either rescue them or educate them. Well, J Lo, uh, who is just a caricature of her head with a really large butt, is trying to chase you down. You ever play that old skiing game on the computer? Um, like with the with the with the Loch Ness, not Loch Ness, with the Yeti that would chase you down. Little it was called Ski. 
Uh, that does not sound familiar to me. No, oh, that's what it reminded me of. But if you don't know, you, yeah, you you just don't know. So there's another one called Me Is Murder. The game. It was like a scrolling game, clearly designed for phones, where like animals were floating up and down the screen towards saws at each edge, and you had to flick them away so they didn't get cut up from the saw. It was it, it was an arcade kind of reminds me of like Flappy Bird or those games like that where like you just it's a constant scrolling until you, you lose, you know, to get right. to high score. There was a game called Monkey Fright, which basically when you click on Monkey Fright, it says help shut down NIH's terror laboratory. And underneath the game, it says the National Institute of Health experimenter Elizabeth Murray has spent the last 30 years cutting open monkey skulls suctioning out or burning portions of their brains to cause permanent damage and locking them in cages where she shows them large rubber stakes and spiders terrifying them. These horrific experiments haven't advanced human health at all, of course. They've only tormented and killed animals and wasted precious medical resources. And it's basically like a side-scroller where, like, you have to, like, avoid, like, biohazard barrels and, like, creepy doctors that are, like, you have to jump over them. It just trying to escape the lab. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's something. Oh, there was one called Whole Lot of Lies, which is uh, Whole Foods takes on the, the font. It looks like the Whole Foods symbol. It says debunk the human meat myth. In this gripping new video game, it reads escape is impossible. Your only objective is to survive as long as you can, because in Whole Lot of Lies, you play as a pig on a humane farm, and like all pigs raised for their flesh, your fate was sealed the day you were born. And that's really what you do. You play out the life of a pig. It's like a little role-playing game. Like, you start out as a pig in a pen, and you go talk to other pigs. And then that pig gets sick, and then the farmer comes in to slaughter him. And then you start talking to other pigs, and, and like, you'll see time progress, and you'll get bigger and bigger. And then one day a pig will tell you, like, it's your time and the farmer comes to catch you and it, it like cuts to like a real picture of a pig. And it's like millions of pigs experience this every day for your meat or some stuff like that. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. And then finally, we got one more. They actually made a game for the Switch. Oh. Um, it's called Kitten Squad. Uh, okay. It's a free-to-play game. It's advertised as a classic action-adventure arcade game combined with some serious animal liberation. It's a four-player co-op. You can play as an elite kitten with up to three other people, and you fight evil robots to liberate orcas from marine park prisons, to liberate sheep from mechanic sheep punchers, cows from terrifying dairy farms, and elephants from the menacing circus. And it, in it, it says the game's missions are inspired by PETA's real-world exposés that have revealed animal abuse, including baby elephants being held captive by the Ringling Brothers Circus, calves being torn away from their mothers on a dairy farm, and sheep being beaten on wool farms, as documented at sharing facilities in Australia, the U.S., and Argentina. So yeah, Kitten Squad, if you ever want to have a really great time with your family, four people co-op. Rescue those robots. Rescue those orcas from the evil robots and cows from the dairy farm. That sounds interesting. I honestly had no idea there was something for a console as new as the Switch. But it's kind of interesting. You know, it, it, it's... They... They developed this 
whole in-house team that basically makes video games to get their word out there you know they're we we did a whole episode i think at the end of last year about um co- what, what's the genre where corporations make video games um corporate edu no do you remember what it was called it's a whole genre and i can't remember what it's called you're gonna have to really help me out here um you i remember like i have a memory i remember tapper was the game that we did it on remember tapper and they had yeah, the really cool Adver art. gaming, Adver games, Adver games. It might be Adver games because I talked about like my Captain Crunch Doom clone. Yeah, and, and there was um, the, the Captain Crunch one that I played or McKids. Yeah, McKids <coughs> was a lot of fun. Was, I think it was Adver games, but I, I'm not 100% certain. It's really funny. I said the end of last year, but it was actually the end of 2021. <laughs> yeah, last year. Last year, the end of 2021, two years ago, uh, Adver Games, you have it right. So we did Tapper, we did McKids, Chex Quest, Yo Noid, Sneak King. We talked about a whole bunch of stuff. It was actually episode 68, if you guys want to check it out. But I was thinking about it, like we never talked about PETA games, and here PETA has been doing the same thing for years, you know? Absolutely doing the same thing for years, which is kind of interesting. I never, I've, I've never stumbled across any of these, to be honest with you. This was all new for me to like, I figured I'd find one and then I kept looking and there was another and there was another and there was another and I found that there was a whole goddamn genre. PETA has been making video games for when did I say the first one was 2004, 20 years now, almost 2001, over 20 years. They've been making shows that they're committed to their cause. Very true. Well, and you know, it's a good outlet. People play video games. It's smart. Um, I don't know how much people play their video games, but it's still smart to get to people. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. So anyway, if you guys want to check out about advert games or, you know, that genre, along with some other games, you can find old episodes on our website at www.memorycardlane.com. Rob, what else can people find on our website? Well, Dave, a calendar of our previous present and future episodes can be found there. You know, a picture of Dave and I and a little blurb about Dave. Uh, you can find links to things like our Discord and our social media. Dave. Did it, Dave? I can be found on various platforms as David is wrong. Indeed it is, Dave. And, and although you, I'm not you... entirely finished with everything, <laughs> I am ready to say that coming soon to Twitch and Twitter will be Rob underscore O underscore Raptor. Robo Raptor. Robo Raptor. Robo Raptor. All right, Robo Raptor. Each week, we try to tell you, I try to tell you and our listeners, a story about one topic relevant to the current week in gaming history. Game, console, technology, just something that has to do with this week. Well, doing so, uh, hope to teach you something new about the topic, what it took from the world as its inspiration, or what it gave back to the world as its legacy. Of course, today, we learn all about PETA and their whole library of satirical games to advertise and further their cause. One of the best parts about getting to do this podcast each week is that while we teach, we learn. Like I just said, I didn't know anything about these, uh, so that's pretty cool. As part of our recognition of the cycle of learning, we like to go around table and talk about uh, what we talked about. So, Rob, what did you learn today? Well, I think that the most shocking fact for me 
would have to be the 95% euthanasia. Yeah, I had no clue that they had such an aggressive stance on euthanasia either. I, w- I will totally admit I was surprised and had to go back and look at it again. And then I had to go research other, like, because, you know, I start, all my research starts with Wikipedia and then I branch off to, to references. And when I find something interesting, I'll Google, you know, it's all spider web. And I had to go and look that one up because I didn't know about their stance on euthanasia. Yeah, I just, for people who are all about animals being treated ethically you would imagine that they're doing so in an attempt to prolong the life of these animals and while they may be stopping the unethical treatment to kill them is that really any more ethical it's kind of a moral dilemma because it's still murder yeah they're just um yeah they just believe that they're being they're being um they're being I don't know. I don't remember the word. I'm still I couldn't find the word that I can't find the word now, but they just think that it's better better to have animals not suffer that they're being I can't find the word. I'm done trying to find the word. So, yeah. Yeah, I have to say that was that was pretty shocking for me. I didn't know anything about PETA. I've never really bothered to look into them. So, this whole episode was news to me, but I would say that that stance on euthanasia was the most shocking for me too. So, and I don't fully understand it given my background with no kill animal organizations but i don't have to understand it i don't do PETA work don't plan on doing PETA work so yeah and that'll do it rob that's PETA. we learned all about PETA. yay PETA. yay PETA. yay PETA. well i don't i don't think i'm gonna get on their bad list by beating a dead horse so let's take it uh, out of here <laughs> uh before i do take it to next week though what would you would you like to add anything to today's episode well dave as always i do want to take one quick moment to say thank you to everyone for listening it means the world to us whether or not we tell you week in and week out and i know damn straight that we do so thank you awesome awesome well, with that being said, let's look into next week where we're going to be taking a look back at Magic the Gathering, which is a collectible card game released in 1993. And as part of that discussion, we're going to be talking about all the video games uh, that it has inspired since. As part of its story, we'll learn all about the creation of Magic. We're and we're and I know I play it. Rob, you play Magic. Oh, Dave, you should know I play. We play I know it you play Magic. Okay, for topic of conversation, do you play? Ma- I'm just kidding. Um, so we'll also talk about our own experiences with the collectible card game and with the video games itself. I'm going to be honest with you. It's the anniversary of the very first Magic the Gathering video game, which I played and I loved and I have very vivid memories of. So I am looking forward to it. Um, so stick around and join us next week as we duel the Planeswalkers. Wow, that's weird to say, but that's the way you say it on yet another trip down memory card lane to the thing. Do 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 do